WEB News. You're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Liam Niemeyer. And I'm Aaron Duncan. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. This week, we'll explore an event called the Moon Tunnel Readings, a storytelling series where Ohio University grad and Ph.D. English students can present their creative works in front of community members and peers for the first time. We'll sit down with the Athens International Film and Video Festival director, David Colagiovanni, to talk about the 42-year history of the festival and what the event means for the international filmmakers coming to Athens. But first, we'll take a look at how local media has adopted the use of proper LGBT pronouns in reporting and where media can go from here in covering LGBT issues. Those stories and more are coming up on the outlet. Stay with us. We're meeting people for the first time. You might want to say your name and where you're from, but don't forget to mention what gender pronoun you associate with. Our own Delaney Phillips explains how local media in Athens is incorporating gender-neutral pronouns into everyday news. With the increased discussion on transgender issues from Caitlyn Jenner to Laverne Cox, proper pronouns are becoming a topic to be talked about. When meeting someone for the first time, it isn't known what their gender pronoun is just by looking at them. Gender-neutral pronouns are pronouns that do not associate a gender with the person and are commonly used within lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender, or LGBT, communities and conversations. Understanding how to present LGBT people in a way that's like authentic and accurate and respectful is extremely important and something that's all often glossed over in um, media. That's Sarah Grody project coordinator for the Ohio University LGBT Center, giving a little perspective on just how important it is to use the proper pronouns. OU approved a policy last June to respect the wishes of students when it comes to preferred names and pronouns. The policy says that the school is committed to fostering an environment of inclusiveness and supporting students' preferred form of self-identification. With this in mind, the policy provides definitions for and the uses of names and pronouns recorded for students. Gender-neutral pronouns include he, she, and they. The correct way of using these words is the easiest way to show respect towards someone's identity. Using pronouns incorrectly can cause someone to feel disrespected, invalidated, and even alienated. As this way of greeting others may take some getting used to, media sources are also in the same boat on reporting on LGBT issues. Delphine Bautista, director of the LGBT Center, recognizes that on-campus media and news outlets are making the effort to use proper pronouns, but could still place a little more focus on it. WUB, when the pronoun policy for the university came out, did a good job at at reporting on that and and using it as an opportunity to raise awareness. With the Post, it's been been a battle. Uh, They uh, sometimes don't ask what our pronouns. They sometimes uh, don't respect them and will just use he or, or she even though a person may have said something different. And so they're getting better. One concern for the media about using the right gender-neutral pronouns is the inconsistency and confusion it causes for readers. OU's LGBT Center would find it ideal that when the media is covering stories related to LGBT issues, the interviewees will be asked about their pronoun preference. Even with that courtesy, news sources such as the Athens News have some trouble going against the grain and breaking grammatical rules. Terry Smith, editor of the Athens News, has worked on a few stories relating to LGBT news and has made some changes to the writing style to accommodate both the source and the reader. As an editor, my first allegiance is to my reader, 
uh, as opposed to the source. So if I think the way um, something is worded is going to confuse the reader, then I'm going to be concerned about that. And I think using they and them to match back to a singular um, name is confusing. Well, this is something that doesn't come up frequently as of now. Smith, who has worked with Bautista on past stories, tries to stay mindful and respectful of gender-neutral pronouns. Bautista is hopeful that the media will eventually come around, but is proud of the progress made. But what I've appreciated from folks like The Messenger, The Athens News, and WUB is that they may not always get it right, but they are trying to and are, are trying to understand. So next time you meet someone new, maybe you should ask, what is your preferred pronoun? For The Outlet, I'm Delaney Phillips. Writers often spend many hours, days, and months crafting their work, but often don't get a chance to share their work with a large audience. Two Ohio University grad students are changing that here in Athens with a reading series called The Moon Tunnel Readings, a place where grad and Ph.D. students can share their work to their peers and the community. That lets Grace Warner has more. The room is dimly lit, set with cookies and pretzels on the surrounding tables and people gathering around, enjoying good company before the Moon Tunnel reading begins. The Moon Tunnel reading series is a perfect example of where campus meets community. The reading series focuses on masters and PhD students who want to share their writing that they've been working on throughout the year. What we thought was this would be, you know, what I was thinking was let's have this way to build community where we bring in all these different voices, we get to hear everyone read every single year. And ideally, we also have it in an off-campus space, like opened in the community, so that we can connect with the larger Athens community as well. That was co-founder Derek Robbins speaking about how the idea for the series came about. Robbins and Sarah Miner are both founders of the series and both second-year PhD students who started the series last semester. I mean, in academia, in Athens, you can really get pent up in your own schedule, and I think this really helps me as well break out of that and be social and see writing as something that's active and about community and and engaging with people rather than something that's flat and at your desk at all times. Mm -hmm. The main focus for their final event last month was to celebrate the works of students who are graduating this spring. The Moon Tunnel Reading Series, which, by the way, is not related to the Moonville Tunnel myth in nearby Moonville, is important to not only students but community members. Chip Krieg is a graduate of OU's English program. I think it's important for the life of the community. I mean, I think there's no way you can have a vibrant, vital life without you know events like this that are open to everybody. You know, not just the English department, not just the creative writing part of the English department, but the entire community. Another attendee, Ph.D. candidate Brad Maudlin, shares his thoughts about the event. As a writer, you're always hoping that your work will have some kind of effect on people, if it's just to make them smile or think or make, have, have some particular emotion, and so it's nice to kind of be there when that's hopefully happening. Krieg said that his favorite aspect of Moon Tunnel was the variety of the readings and presenters that shared their works. And there's a little bit of everything. I like the presenter's child running around on stage, you know, so there was actually five presenters, not four. Uh, I think that was kind of, kind of 
Interesting, that wouldn't happen in a big reading. I was in the English department here years ago, studying in the English department. We had people come in and it was really kind of formal and you felt like you were isolated from the presenters. And here it's like, they came out of the audience, they were part of us. As the readings came to an end, Miner and Robbins gave their thank yous to those who helped with the series throughout the year and congratulated those who are graduating this spring. And thank you to everyone from the community who has attended our events or who is here tonight. We're really pleased to have you with us, and we hope you come back in the future. The Moon Tunnel Reading Series will return in the fall. One tradition that has already started for the readers and their audience is accompanying them to the Cider House afterward for drinks. Just another example of how campus meets community. For The Outlet, I'm Grace Warner. This week, the Athens International Film and Video Festival will take place in the Athena Cinema in the heart of Athens, bringing in filmmakers and film lovers from all across the globe. My co-host Liam Nehemiah went to the OU Film Department offices to talk with the festival's director, David Colagiovanni, about what the film enthusiasts and film newbies should expect this year. So David, this festival, the Athens International Film and Video Festival, it started in 1974, and it seems to have a lot of history and heritage behind it. Would you mind uh, telling us a little bit about about its history and where it is today? So now it's a whole different landscape, I mean, since video. And actually, I think it was in the 80s where it was finally the Athens International Film Plus Video Festival. And before that, we had uh, like a... Athens Film Festival and then a video festival which happened in the fall. Um, so we've been a like longtime supporter of video as a medium, which doesn't seem like a big deal now, but it was before, you know, when everyone was like, oh, only good work is made on film, you know. Um, we started supporting video and alternative forms uh, of production like really early, really early on. Um, so yeah, we used to get films, then show the films. Now, uh, we take works like we screen works on websites, uh, filmmakers uh, upload their films to different platforms, we look at them, we rate them on those platforms, uh, we have screeners that are like all over the place, there's screeners in Athens, there's screeners other places that are looking at these films and they're rating them and talking about them and commenting on them. Uh, so like a lot of it's still the same, we still choose the best films from that selection um, and then program them into blocks that make sense uh, for, you know, anyone coming into the theater. So, yeah, I mean, things are the same, but they're totally different at the same time. So, so from my understanding, the Athens International Film and Video Festival just used to be the Athens International Film Festival when it first started. When did the video component actually would would you say that there was any certain time when it actually started becoming a big part of the festival yeah probably in like the mid 80s uh, is when it started happening uh, artists started uh, I guess you know filmmakers were always working on film and then artists started to work with the moving image like uh, you know uh, visual artists maybe people that like worked in painting or sculpture they started to kind of incorporate uh, the moving image and they did that with video cameras you know the first one was like the porta pack I think it was like in the mid 80s I mean you know this kind of stuff right I mean you work in media so you're familiar with this all like this old technology right so yeah. it's kind of similar to how people recorded everything on reel to reel you know or they had like the nod 
Agra, which was the portable, um, you know, reel to reel machine that you could go around and uh, do interviews. And like now you're using a digital recorder, which has totally changed the landscape of how you can go and get an interview, right? You can go anywhere really easily uh, without having to lug around too much equipment or anything like that. So uh, it was the same thing with video. Uh, artists started to kind of make videos and uh, tape. They called them tapes at the time. Uh, so we started to play that stuff in the theater, uh, you know, when artists started to kind of make that stuff. So we've always been really connected with how people are making things and trying to support those new forms. Uh, at least for me, coming from, like you said, you know, it's there's there's a lot of similarities when it comes to uh, media and the fact how, like, you know, technology has changed because a lot of the terms that we use within the media field, for example, um, SOTS, which are just sound bites, for example, they're actually, the acronym is called Sound on Tape because yeah. it was literally tape back then. Mm-hmm. I just find stuff like that really interesting. In the description of the festival this year, there's, with the films that you guys choose, there's certain themes that kind of arise from the different films they choose and which films are kind of grouped together. What certain themes will people see in this year's Athens International Film and Video Festival? Well, there's, I mean, there's a theme for everything in here. Uh, there's a block of films about race called Justice for All. There's a block of films called Shifting Borders, which has to do with mainly like issues of immigration, um, there is a group of films tonight. It's called Liberty to Disobey, and there are all these kind of dark-themed films. It's hard to kind of explain. You know, the titles somewhat refer, but they don't. Uh, you know, they're not meant to really be completely clear either. You know, so uh, some things. Well, maybe some things are a little more clear. Like Take Two is um, is a group of shorts about love or real funny. R e e L funny is a you know all our funny films in the in the fest so everything comedic or something kind of ends up there but you know this year we received 1900 films 1900 entries we're showing 257 films in competition uh, that represent 51 countries uh, around the world which is pretty amazing we'll have about 40 filmmakers in town throughout the week there is six visiting artists that will be here there's three jurors i mean it's a packed lineup of things um so anyway what happens is like we choose the films uh through like a pre-screening process which i mentioned about and then we take those films we write their names on index cards we spread them out on a big table and then we start to kind of group them together and we find like what the commonalities are there like how they kind of fit together into a 90 to 100 minute block Right. So sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, those films go together. We don't really know why, but we know they go together and we kind of put them aside and then we just look at them. We reorder them a little bit. We look at them again and then we come up with a name for it. So Nice. And what are some of the themes that are going to be in the festival this year? Let's see. Let me just open up my program here. There's a group of films tomorrow at 3.30 called Snack on This. And they kind of have to do with food. There's like something about food in each of them uh, or growing food or baking bread. There's these kind of themes in there. They're not necessarily all about food politics, but they all have kind of food involved in them. Um, Yeah, there's a group of films 
that's pretty funny. It's on Sunday, which it w- will be the day after Palmer Fest happens in town, right? And it's a group of films called You Don't Know How to Party. Uh, and it's all about uh, older people partying really hard, like harder than any anyone else can. So <laughs> that one's pretty funny. <laughs> For people who haven't been to the Athens Film Festival, people who are going for the first time, what should they expect? What kind of experiences should they expect? Well, I think you'll find films that are really thought-provoking, really, you know, have a lot of meaning, and they just kind of make you think about different issues. You know, it's not like turning on Netflix and just, like, watching while you surf the Internet or something, you know. It's not uh, It's not really meant to just be, like, consumed uh or binged or whatever it's they're meant to be thought about Uh, so it's a little different experience than you know maybe what people are used to with media so what does this competition offer for these filmmakers that come from all across the world yeah well uh the festival is academy qualifying uh, which is a pretty big deal so we're academy qualifying in short animation and short narrative uh so that means if uh if a film wins in either of those categories or wins first prize, it's then in the pool to be considered for an Academy Award uh, in that category, so in animation or in short narrative. And in the past, we've shown a lot of the work that's won, uh, and maybe it's sometimes it's even won here, and it's gone on to like win an Academy Award. So uh, it's a really good like springboard to uh, a lot of opportunities for filmmakers, and you know that's frankly why we get so many entries. Well. Well, David, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think that's good. I mean, I just, uh, I hope you enjoy the festival. Come out and see a bunch of films. Uh, (laughs) You know, every single screening at the festival is free for Ohio University students. So uh, I hope everyone takes advantage of it. Well, thank you, David. It must be a really exciting time for the film department here. Thank you. uh, Yeah, thank you for talking to me today. Yeah, my pleasure. (laughs) Thank you, David. Thanks. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is produced and hosted each week by me, Lee Niemeyer, and my co-host, Aaron Duncan. We're edited by Atish Baidia, Susan Tebbin, and Allison Hunter. Adam Rich is our technical assistant. Our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to The Outlet on iTunes or find us online at woub.org. We're also on Twitter at at outlet underscore woub. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. Thanks for listening.